you want to turn there and uh, then when we finish our text if you would just turn to Mark chapter 3 we're going to try to finish that chapter out today the Lord willing um, I do want to just say one more time we've been announcing that we'd like to take some time after the service tonight uh, for a time of question and answer I do want to just reassure everyone that, you know, asking questions is not a bad thing. It's not a matter of questioning authority. That's not what it's all about. It's just understanding things. And you can't come to understand if you don't ask. And uh, I think this church knows after 21 years that I'm not the kind of person that resents questions. I appreciate questions, and I like to do my best to answer them. So we're going to try, Lord willing to do that tonight uh, after service. Mark chapter 3, uh, chapter 10, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Praise God. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us today. Can we do that, everybody? Let's ask God to speak to us. Come on, let's, let's lift our voices to the Lord. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Jesus, we need you. you I praise you I exalt you I thank you come on let's praise him let's praise him let's praise him oh Jesus 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 praise God praise God praise God amen amen God bless you you may be seated I want to before I forget I want to also just remind everyone this week special services there will not be prayer on Tuesday night Thursday night is a special commissioning service. Uh, bishop Howard will be here to commission me as a missionary and as bishop of this assembly and um, the other assemblies, the daughter works that we've started. And then Friday night will be the installation service, installing Brother Sisler as the pastor of this church. That'll be Friday night. Saturday afternoon will be an ordination service for uh, our local ministers and so a great, great time lined up. Uh, Thursday night, Brother Howard is preaching. Friday night, Brother Robert Davis. Saturday, Brother Howard. And then Sunday, Brother Davis will be preaching the morning and evening services on Sunday of next week. And we encourage everyone to come and be a part of these services. It's a special time for new life. We haven't really said much about it. It, it does mark my 21st pastoral anniversary and it also marks 35 years of the existence of this church. And um, it is a commendable thing to this church that in 35 years, you've had a grand total right now of three pastors. Uh, I, was, I was in a place once uh, where I was the 26th pastor in 52 years. And uh, so uh, it's, it's a thing that I think needs to be commemorated on your behalf and then Again, the existence of the church uh, being here as a lighthouse to this community for the last 35 years. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so these are special services. We want you to come and be a part of each of them. To our guests, we would love and be honored to have you here for those services as well. Let's, let's go to the book of Mark today. And because I've taken so much time with everything else, uh, let me forego review, I think that what we're going to deal with this morning really um, can be understood without all the background of Mark and even the things that we've covered last last week. We dealt with 
that sin against the Holy Ghost, I think it is important just to remind you of that, uh, that one sin that cannot be forgiven, and it is a sin of the tongue, and I think that is important for the setting that we are going into. It's important for us to remember. If we simply pick up here with verse 31 of Mark 3 and forget what's being said in the previous verses, then I think there's a bit of a disconnect. It doesn't make quite as much sense to us. We could, we could talk about it without referencing, but I think referencing what was said in the previous verses gives far more weight to what we are going to discuss today. And once again, we're going to try to just read these last few verses. There are five verses here to bring this chapter to a close, and, and we're going to try to read through these first, and then we'll come back and do some commenting along the way as the Lord allows us to. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. If you've got your Bibles open, it is Bible study time. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. Read for me, Brother Brandon. They said to him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek Jesus. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked around about he looked round about on them which sat about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. And for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. Amen. So we're, we're going to talk about this um, today, and, and it's an extremely important passage. You know, I've, I've tried for the last 21 years to teach you some principles of biblical interpretation. And one of the key principles is that you've always, you, you always need to let Scripture interpret Scripture. The passage that we've read is a passage that helps us to interpret other scriptures. And so it's important that we look at it. There are some passages that often get terribly misapplied. They are completely misunderstood. And they're misunderstood because they are not taken in the sense of the verses we just read. And they need to be. And so we're going to talk about that. Before I do, I want to just go back and uh, I, want you to, I want you to read again verse 32. I just want to make one quick comment here on verse 32, and then we're going to go forward with um, the rest of this. But this is not in the notes anywhere, but I, I, I just felt it as you read today. So verse 32 says this. And the multitude said about, him, said about him, they said, behold your mother and your brethren. They're without. They're seeking for you. Your mother's out there. Your brothers are out there. Now, a couple things, and I've, I've, got to, I've got to watch the time here, but a couple things. Number one, it clearly says your brothers, and that's exactly what the word means. In spite of what some religious tradition teaches, Jesus did have earthly brothers, or we should say half-brothers. They shared the same mother. But Joseph was their father. And the Spirit of God was our Lord's father. Everybody understands? So they're half-brothers. These are not cousins. These are not distant relatives. These are half-brothers that were raised in the same home. And his mother was there. Now, again, religious tradition. There is a whole religion that's basically built around using Mary as our advocate, as our intercessor. Mary, mother of God, pray for me. Right? Brother Dell knows about it. <laughs> uh, there, there was... There is a whole religion that's based on take your needs to Mary and she'll approach Jesus. But I want to show you something. I don't think Mary is the one I want being my advocate. Though I give her honor, it wasn't an easy thing to do what she did. She was engaged but not officially married when she 
found herself to be with child of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you now, nobody, nobody in that community believed that was the child of the Holy Ghost. And she carried that stigma with her the rest of her life. But she did it for the cause of God. I believe she deserves honor. I believe she deserves honor. But I don't believe she ought to be our advocate or our intercessor. Let's, let's read on. They come and they tell Jesus, your mother's outside. And here's what he says. Who is my mother? Wow. Now, now look, I mean, this really, if this is the way Jesus is going to respond, you go ask Mary to, I want you to go tell Jesus that I need something. He says, who is my mother? There's one other time that the scripture makes reference of Mary going to Jesus. And that was at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And they had run out of wine. And Mary went to Jesus and said, they're out of wine. And he looked at her and said, woman, what have I to do with thee? She just doesn't have a very good track record of getting Jesus to do things. I'm not going to pray to Mary. I'm going directly to the one who can answer. Well, hallelujah. I'm thankful today that I don't have to go through an intermediary. I'm thankful today that I can come boldly before the throne of grace, that I can make my petitions known to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't have to ask anybody to talk to him on my behalf. All right, that's free of charge. It has nothing to do with today's lesson, but anyhow, it is what it is. And, and he wasn't showing disrespect to her. I'm going to tell you, I believe with all of my heart, this is my opinion. I've always said if it's my opinion, I would tell you that. Take it as that, which really means nothing. This and I don't know what the price is today, five bucks, six bucks, you know, this and however much it's going to cost you uh, will buy you a cup of coffee at Starbucks if you want it. Um, so in other words, my opinion is really not worth any more than anybody else's opinion. But my opinion is that the reason Jesus allowed these things to be written down, the statements that he made concerning his mother or to his mother, I believe the whole reason he did it is because he knew the false religion was coming that would dominate the world and teach them these things. And he wanted to show the world, don't follow that. He wasn't being disrespectful. That's, that would have been a violation of scripture. And Jesus never sinned. He was instead making a statement. Don't look to my mother. Look to me. All right? All right, so that hopefully is settled. As I said, this passage of scripture and this particular incident where he is called upon to recognize his mother and his brethren, Jesus makes a statement, all right? He said, he said who is my mother or who are my brethren? Verse 34, so he looked around about on those that were sitting there in that congregation. And he said, I want you to take a good look right here. Not those that are standing outside knocking at the door, but right here. Here's my mother and my brethren. These are my brethren. And then he says, whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Not those that are related by flesh. Not even those that are the other descendants of Adam and Eve or Noah. But the ones that do the will of God are the ones Jesus said are my brethren. You got that? That's important. That's important. And it's important because, go to Matthew chapter 25 now, verses 34 through 36. I'm telling you, this passage has been so misconstrued, so misunderstood, so misapplied. And it's because they've neglected to understand Mark 3, 
and 35. All right, let's read Matthew 25, 34 through 36. Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger. I was hungry. And you gave me meat. I was thirsty. Uh-huh. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Now this is what Jesus says. Standing there on judgment day, Jesus begins to commend his followers. And he said, here are things that you did. I was hungry, and you fed me. He said, I was thirsty, and you saw to it that I had what I needed to drink. He said, I was a stranger, but you still opened your arms to me. He said, I was naked, but you opened your closet, and you found something I could wear. He said, I was sick, and you came to see me. I was in prison, and you didn't forget about me. Hallelujah. Now the servants are shocked. He's recalling what they've done in their life, and their minds are blown. Read. Let's, let's read on verse 37. Then shall the righteous answer him. The righteous answers him. Saying, Lord, Lord wait a minute, wait a minute. God, we know you can't lie. But we're looking back over our lives and I, I don't ever remember encountering you on the earth and seeing you hungry and giving you food. I, I can't remember a time when you were thirsty and we gave you drink. Read. When saw we thee a stranger? When, when, when did we ever come across you and you were a stranger or an outcast and we took you in? Or, Lord, Lord, remind us, when was the time that we ever brought you clothing? Or when saw we thee sick? When did we see you sick or in prison? And We don't remember this. You're going to have to remind us because we have no recollection of what you're saying and yet we know you can't lie. When did all this take place? Read. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it to me. This is mis misquoted, misapplied, misunderstood. And I don't want you to misunderstand me today. But I'm telling you, Jesus is not telling us that we need to open food pantries and clothing pantries He's not telling us that it is the obligation of the church to help everybody in need. He said, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren. And he defined for us who his brethren were. Did he not? Go, go back and, and, and read. just read um, verse 35 again, just so we can emphasize this, Mark 3 and 35. For whosoever shall do the will of God. That's my brethren. It's those that do the will of God. Listen, listen. I'm not telling you we, that we should just be merciless and compassionless and, and, and not care about others. I'm, what I am saying is we need to understand that when, when Jesus said you did this for me, he wasn't saying you did it for some sinner on the street. He was saying you looked around at your brothers and sisters in the church. You took care of one another. Well, you cared for the needs of your brothers and your sisters. I'm going to tell you, listen to me again, I don't want to be misunderstood, but too many churches have gotten to the point they've satisfied, they've satisfied their own conscience by opening a food pantry or a clothing pantry, handing out things to help every stranger that comes along when their own brothers and sisters sitting on the pew, they ignore them, they treat them bad, they don't want to talk to them, they don't pray for them, they don't go see them, they never call them when they're sick. And I'm telling you, 
Jesus was not talking about people out there. When he said, you've done it. When you've done it to the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. And again, I'm not saying be cold, cruel to everybody. I'm saying we have a primary obligation to one another. This is what Jesus was talking about. It's that we get to the place that we are not so consumed with ourselves, but we're looking at one another. I'm going to say something right now, church. I want you to understand this. I am afraid that far too many people walk out of the doors never to come back. And part of what has kept them away is the fact that nobody in the church took the time to call them, to check on them, to visit them. Well, at least I'm in church. You know, I didn't really expect them to make it anyhow. I never really believed they had what it took anyhow. I watched them. They weren't really solid. They weren't really... No, 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 no. No, no, that's not supposed to be the attitude of the Christian. Jesus said, Jesus said, when you've done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, who are his brethren? I want you to take a good look today around the congregation. You see people that are filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. You see people that are brothers and sisters in the Lord. These are his brethren. And the way we treat his brethren are the way we are treating him. In fact, the church is called the body of Christ. Well, I don't I don't want to I don't want to have to just explain myself with everything that I say, but but, but understand, church, understand. I'm, I'm not saying that we ought to all just sit around and wait for somebody to call us or that we ought to stay home and expect somebody to bring us food. The Apostle Paul said, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. That's what he said. Kind of sounds cold-hearted, but it's what he said. And every word of that book was divinely inspired by God. So it's not cold-hearted. It comes from the heart of God. God established this principle. But God did tell us we've got an obligation to one another. If there's a genuine need that a brother or a sister has and they can't help themselves, we've got an obligation to take up the slack. I hope you're understanding what I'm telling you today. This is who Jesus defined as his brethren. Now, we're not finished with that passage. We, we, verse 40, he said, when you've done it, the least of these are my brethren, you've done it to me. But let's keep reading verses 41 through 45. Matthew 25, I'm sorry, Matthew 25, 41 through 45. All right. Then shall he say to those that are on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Why is he cursing them? Why is he casting them into hellfire? He explains, verse 42, for. The first word, for. Because. Here's why I'm doing it. Because I was hungry. And you didn't give me meat. I was thirsty. And you did not give me anything to drink. I was a stranger. You didn't provide me with a place. I was naked. You didn't give me anything to cover me. I was sick. I was in prison. Not one time did you check on me. Read. Then shall they also answer. And they will also answer and say, Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute. Lord, tell us, at what point in our life did we ever do you that way? We never saw you hungry and refused to feed you. We never saw you thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and failed to serve you. Get this. Get this. Look at that last, look at that last phrase. There's no, and they're standing before God. So they're not lying to God. They're not over-exaggerating their testimony. They're standing before God. They know God knows the truth. They said, we ministered to you. But, here's what he says, verse 45. Then shall he answer them, saying, 
Verily I say to you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. Here's what I want to tell you this morning, saints of God. The way we treat our brothers and our sisters, Jesus takes it personally. What I do to Brother Brandon, what I say about Brother Brandon, the things that I refuse to do to help Brother Brandon, Jesus takes it all personally. He may not be perfect, but he's the Lord's brother by scriptural definition. And now I've got an obligation. I've got an obligation. I've got to do something to help my brother. Saints of God, I'm going to tell you. And, and, and I, want, I, want, I know some of our young people are practicing for Easter Sunday. I, I, I know um, that, that they're not in here. I wish all of them were here. But I, I want to tell you something, young people. I want you to be careful in your relationships with one another. You know, young people tend to fly off the handle. They tend to say things. They tend to treat one another certain ways. But I want to tell you something. The Lord is watching what you say and what you do. And the way you treat each other, God sees it. And more than just seeing it, he's taking it personally. He doesn't write it off. Well, they're just teenagers. We've got to be careful. In fact, I, I, here's why I said in the beginning, and I'm, I'm trying, I, I hope I'm not going too fast and leaving too much out in all this. I'm trying my best to compensate for the time. But, but here's why I said when I opened this morning that the context of what we discussed last week has a bearing on what we're talking about right now. Last week we talked about the one sin that cannot be forgiven and it's blasphemy. That is to speak evil of. And Jesus said you speak evil of the Holy Ghost you can't get forgiveness of that. And I said to you in the lesson last week it is the devil's business to get you closer and closer and closer to the unpardonable sin. And how's he going to do that? By making you more and more comfortable with other forms of blasphemy, which is to speak against. And when you get comfortable speaking against the Lord's brothers and sisters, you're moving into a dangerous position. Are you hearing me today? Some of you are. Some of you don't want to hear. <laughs> when we start spreading gossip about one another, and we start treating one another uh, with, with ill will, and we are constantly just trying to slice somebody and cut them down to size, you better be careful. You better be careful. So if that person has the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God resides in them. And you start blaspheming the person with the Spirit. It's just a whole lot closer than what I want to get, I can tell you. What we need to do is we need to learn to treat one another. Understanding that when we get over there, he's going to say, what did you do to me? How did you treat me? Well, we're not shouting and running the aisles this morning but hopefully we're digesting what I'm telling you. It is important. It is important. James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. I'm going to try to get through all this. If a brother or sister be naked, if a brother or a sister be naked and, destitute, and destitute... Now look, this is confirmation that he's talking about our brothers and sisters. All right? He didn't say if you just find somebody somewhere, but he said specifically, if your brother or your sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one, one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warm, be filled, but you don't do anything, you just say it. 
How are they any better off? Oh, I'll pray for you, brother. And we say it, and we never really pray. And we know they're sick, but we never do anything about it. We know they've missed church for a few weeks. They're discouraged, but we haven't taken the time to find out what's going on. I'm appealing to you, saints of God. And I'm not preaching to everybody because this is a loving church. But I'm appealing to some of you today for us to realize the way we treat one another. The Lord writes it down, not as treatment of our brother and sister, but as treatment of him. I don't want to stand before him, Brother Sisler, and him say, you said these things about me. You did this to me. You tried to tear me down. You, No, God, no. No, I would never do that. But you did it to one of my brethren. It's not enough to just simply say, well, God bless you, if there's more we can do. Sometimes prayer is all we can do. But there are times we can do more. There are times that really what a person needs is a shoulder to cry on. There are times that what a person needs is just for someone to go and wrap their arms around them and say, I just want to assure you, I love you. I care about what you're going through right now. I, I wish there was something I could do to help. I, it, it's, it's beyond my means to do it, but I want you to know I mean when I tell you I'm standing here. If I can be of help, you call me. If I can do something, you talk to me. Well, hallelujah. James said, what does it profit for us to tell them to go and be clothed and be filled and be warm? What, what good does that profit? Except it eases our conscience. And that's not the purpose. 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. Listen to this. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Whoa! Whoa, wait a minute. That's a powerful statement. Do you not understand how powerful that is? John said... We know we're saved because we love the brethren. When our love for the brethren starts to wane, we've got problems with our salvation. Oh, Jesus. Read. He that loveth not his brother, I'm telling you, Read. Whosoever hateth his brother. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And, and you know, you know no, murderer no murderer. Eternal life abiding in him. Come on, can can we follow the reasoning of what this verse says? You hate your brother, you're a murderer. No murderer is saved. You hate your brother? What does that mean? You're not going to make it. You got to get that hatred out of your heart. Read. Hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we understand the love of God. Because he laid down because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Read. Whoever's got this world's goods and you see that your brother's in need and you shut up your bowels of compassion from him, how, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Read. My little children, don't just love in word. Don't just say I love you. But love in deed. In action. Show your love by the things you do. And then it will be true love. John 13.35 says this. This 
This is how all men are going to know that you are my disciples. This is it. It's not because you talk in tongues. It's not because you pay your tithes. It's not because you, whatever, meet the standard, whatever. All right? Not saying that any of those things are meaningless. But he said, if you want the world to know that we're truly his disciples, there's one way they're going to know it. When they walk through these doors, they ought to see us loving one another. There ought to be no tension among us. There ought to be no strife among us. We ought to be loving one another. There shouldn't be anybody that we want to walk to the other side of the church and not speak to them. Hallelujah. We ought to love one another. If we want the world to know we're his disciples. Paul wrote extensively about loving one another, and I am trying to come to a close. Sister Becca, come. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm, I want us to have some time to pray this morning. Paul wrote extensively about the importance of loving one another. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor. In, I like the way he says this, in honor. Preferring, Preferring what? Now, look. See, I've, I've seen folks that something bad comes along and say, well, I'll prefer my brother. I'd rather him have this. But Paul specifically said in honor, in the places where, you know, if, if it looks like you're going to get a little glory, hand it off to your brother. Looks like you're about to, you know, somebody's going to say, no, no, point it towards your brother. Give the honor to someone else. Hallelujah. Brother Mead said, uh, when he was here, he said, you ever see a turtle sitting on a fence post? You know he didn't get there by himself. That turtle didn't climb that fence post, right? Somebody put him there. And I'm going to tell you, there's not one of us that are where we are because we climbed there on our own. We not only had the help of God, but we had the help of some brothers and sisters. And we need one another. There has got to be an old-fashioned unity of the Spirit that baptizes the people of God once again. And we lay aside all differences and we lay aside all of our, uh, of our uh, problems with one another and bury it all on the altar and fall in love with God's people. Romans 13 and 8. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. You lo Look, Jesus said, somebody said, oh, there's too many rules and too many rules. and No, no, no. There's two rules. There's only two. All right? There's only two rules. You hear me? There's only two rules. Jesus said, on these two hang all the law and the commandments. What are they? Number one, love God with all your heart. And number two, love your brother as yourself. He said, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. You understand what that means? If you'll do those two, there's not a commandment in that book that you can't keep. He said, thou shalt have no gods before me. Well, you won't have another God before him if you love God with all your heart. He said, honor my day, keep it holy. Well, you'll do that if you love God with all of your heart. He said, thou shalt not steal if you love your brother with all your heart. You're not going to steal. You love your brother with all your heart, you're not going to covet what he has, wishing you had it instead. You love your brother with all your heart, you're not going to commit adultery with his wife. Right? If you do those two, there's not a commandment in that book you can't keep. Uh, let's read on. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For brethren, brethren you've been called to liberty, but don't use liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love. Do you know, do you know and again, I wish I had more time to go into depth in these scriptures, and, but, but I don't. Time is my enemy this morning. But listen to me. 
he said, he said, don't use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh. Don't use your liberty. Here's what he's saying. All right, so you feel like you can do certain things and it's not going to cause you to be lost. But he said, what happens when your brother sees you doing that and he can't handle it like you can handle it? Should you just say, well, you need to grow up? Or you ought to be stronger spiritually? Or should you say, you know, rather than take a chance on doing something that would cause my brother to be lost, I just won't do it. That's what that verse means. In love, serve one another. It's not all about me. All right? 1 Thessalonians 3.12. I've still got so many here. I've got to read, read. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. God make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. And this is where he expands it beyond the church and toward all men. Not just your brothers and sisters that come to church here, but love everybody. Love everybody. Doesn't matter where they come from. Doesn't matter their country of origin. Doesn't matter their skin color. Doesn't matter what language they speak. He said all men. All men. All men. You understand the word all? There are no exceptions to all. Of all men. Of all men. And he said, I, my prayer is that you could love one another and love all men even as we love you. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 9. It's touching brotherly love. You need not that I write to you. Because that spirit that's living in you is teaching you to love one another. God is love. Right? Not God shows love. Not God has love. He is love. And if he lives in you, then you ought to be able to love. If the one who is love resides in your heart, you shouldn't have a problem loving. Hebrews 10 and 24. Let us consider one another. Provoke, Provoke unto love. Now, again, for some more time, but let me try to be as succinct as I can. He said, he said, consider one another and provoke one another to love. You know what that means? I'm going to do something, Brother Brandon, to cause you to love me. See, here's the deal. We walk on so-and-so don't love me. Well, so-and-so treated me bad. Well, so-and-so said this about me. But do you understand what Paul just said? He said, provoke them to love. Not get even with them. But do something to help them love you. You treat them right. Do you know why we love God? Do you know why we love God? The Bible tells us why we love God. Because he first loved us. I don't want to embarrass her, but here we go. She's already embarrassed. Stand up, stand up, stand up. 37 years ago, I was doing my best to pursue this beautiful woman. But, you know, I was a young teenager who didn't really care much about what I looked like and what I did and how I acted. I was just having fun. I was a college student. I was having fun. You know, I dressed I don't know what the word is today. We used to call it tacky. I dressed tacky. You know. I worked on campus. It was one thing to help pay my school bill. And, and so, you know, I was doing maintenance around the, the campground and cleaning. And so you don't wear your Sunday best to do that. I'd, I'd get the worst clothes I had. And that's what I wore around the campus. 
So that's all she ever saw me in except class time. And then, I know you're going to have a hard time believing this, but I really used to like to pull pranks and have fun and tell jokes. And I, know, I know that's hard for you to believe, but, but um, and that was what she saw of me. And that's all she knew of me. And I'm telling you, the few times that I tried to reach out, she just wasn't interested. She really wasn't. But I didn't give up. I did everything I could do to provoke her to love. Until I can tell you right now, I don't have any question in my heart and mind that she loves me with everything that's in her. But it didn't happen because I demanded it. It didn't happen because I tried to get even. It happened because whatever I did, I was doing my best not to buy her love, but to provoke her to love. To show her kindness. To show her I appreciated her for who she was. Are you hearing me today? And we walk in here and we've got our differences with one another. What we want to do, we want to get even. And that's not the biblical way. It's not the Christian way. You got somebody that doesn't like you, you know what you ought to do? Do everything you can to show them love. We love him because he first loved us. I'm going to tell you, when we were out there as sinners, we weren't doing anything to impress God. But he saw something in us. And he started doing things. He started sending blessings. He started doing things to draw us, to get our attention, to provoke us to love him. And there ought to be more of this going on. And again, not just to this church. Brother Sisler, every, every church across the face of this earth ought to be doing what they can to provoke their brothers and their sisters to love. Instead of trying to make people mad and drive them away and let them know how much we resent them, we ought to be doing everything we can to draw them in. Provoke them to love. Provoke them to good works. You don't provoke somebody to good works by doing evil works to them. Right? You ever have somebody just do some great deed for you? You didn't deserve it. You weren't expecting it. They just did it. What did that cause you to want to do? If you got half a heart, you wanted to start trying to find a way. What can I do for them? They did something good. For me, when I didn't deserve it, I didn't ask them to, but they did. Now what can I do for them? See, when you do good works to others, it provokes them to good works. This may not be the most notable Bible study I've ever taught, but I do believe it's one of the most important. Because God is going to reward us in great part based upon how we have treated his brethren. See, we didn't, we didn't quite finish Matthew chapter 25. We read the first group. He said, you did all these things for me. They said, we didn't know we did. He said, you did it for my brethren. So I'm going to reward you. And then the next group comes and he said, you didn't do any of this for me. And I said, we didn't realize that. He said, well... It's because you didn't do it for my brethren. And then verse 46 says this. He shall go away into everlasting Those who did not treat his brethren right went into everlasting punishment. But the righteous. And who are the righteous? There are only two groups being described here. The righteous were those who did treat his brethren right. And the righteous into life eternal. 
please hear me. It is, it is eternally important how we treat one another. Because the Lord sees us as his brethren. You know, I, I, I can tell you, and my mom's here and she can verify and testify to the fact my older brother and I, when we were young, we fought and fought and fought. I guess that's what boys do. We just fought. But I can tell you this, if somebody ever picked on little brother, it didn't matter how much he and I had tussled. He was going to come to my defense because that's his brother. Are you hearing me? And we got to understand Jesus looks at us and calls us his brothers and his sisters. And so however we're treating his brothers and sisters, he takes it personally. Let's lift our hands and talk to him right now, can we? Come on, let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's stand together. Let's stay. I, I, I told you I wanted to try to close out early enough for us to have some time to pray. We got we got a little bit of time here this morning. Could could we just come and kneel at an altar? Could we ask God, Lord, take any hatred, any animosity, any bitterness, any anger, take those things out of me and help me, God, to love my brothers and love my sisters and treat them the way you want to be treated. Let's do it, saints. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. I want to treat people right. I want to treat people right.